amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to the Full Press Packers Pod, part of Full Press Coverage. My name is Kyle Senra, and joining me, both my co-hosts, Sam Toma and Jesse Hall. Week three, and we finally get the three of us together for our in-season episodes. How are you both doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, yeah, finally got all of us together. Yeah, gang's all here. Glad to be back on. So Jesse wins, he entered first. No, that's a, that's a fantasy pod thing. We're not here to, that, that, that won't happen here on the Packers pod. Don't worry. We'll, we'll avoid that. It's because we're, we're all about beating other teams, not ourselves, right? Like we're, we're united front and take down the rest of the NFC North as uh, the Packers have been doing so far. 100%. Um, so I, I think week three presents their toughest test so far. Kind of saw that coming a mile away though. Uh, did kind of, you know, looking at the early schedule, I thought this might be, if you look at the, you, t- you just split the schedule in half, the first half, obviously, that 49ers game, which now, with all the injuries they've had, actually may not be so so daunting. Um, might be, might, maybe the hardest game of the, the start of the season might be this game against the Saints, although, you know, if, you know, talking quarterback play, I'd, I'd argue would be the Texans game a few weeks from now, but um, truthful, truthfully, I mean, the Saints... We kind of saw the Monday night kind of collapse, fall apart against the Raiders. Uh, really, the offense had a hard time mustering up anything uh, in the absence of Michael Thomas. So maybe Packers getting some luck there that arguably the best receiver in the league won't be playing against them. Because as much as I love Jair Alexander, I don't love matchup of Alexander versus Michael Thomas. That's that's not one I think he can win. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, they had, uh, Monday night, they, <clears throat> they really moved the ball like they always kind of do between the 20s, but they struggled, you know, late in the game and putting it in the end zone and kind of fizzled out. Uh, without Michael Thomas, yeah, this, I mean, Kamara's still unbelievable. I mean, that guy did everything, but it's not the same offense without Thomas, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, just 
basically echoing that. I mean, we can argue the Packers have a similar situation with Adams, both Thomas and Adams being um, questionable, I think, officially, but it's kind of believed to be doubtful from everything that I've seen for both of them to play. Um, I suppose the Packers are more well-equipped, having played without Adams for a time last year, than the Saints are, having relied almost entirely on Thomas last year. Um, and plus, Breeze wasn't Breeze wasn't the Breeze of old, especially on Monday night. Uh, but even just overall this season, he hasn't looked the same. So he's obviously one of those guys where you can never count him out entirely. I argue he hasn't looked the same since 2015, to be honest. Like, if we're really talking, that Michael Thomas has kind of allowed him to, to maintain the appearance of a certain pedestal. Truthfully, I don't think Drew Brees has, has been that good. It, it, I think that what's shocking is to see him do so poorly in the start of the season. Because usually we see him trail off in December and in the playoffs. But to see him play this bad from the start, I think, is concerning. Because he's usually come out slinging it really strong, and then his age shows at the end of the season. So I think... You know, this poor performance this early is kind of, I think it's a massive uh, red flag for the Saints, to be honest. So, with Stafford's a better quarterback last week, although he didn't look it, but, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating a little. I, I kind of echo that. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think Sean Payton's uh, offense, I think Sean Payton's an offensive genius, and I also kind of agree that Drew Brees over the last couple of years, while still good, and, I mean, a smart quarterback, I'll give him that. But as far as 100% like on the field athletic ability, uh, I think he's carried by some weapons around him. But hey, the guy can still beat anybody on any given day. So I'm not overlooking him in any means. Yeah, I suppose that's that's kind of the I mean, that wasn't exactly what I said, certainly, but it's kind of the, the, the point I was trying to make, I suppose, kind of roundabout, just like he can he's a guy who has historically been a guy you can never count out. He was never a detriment to the team. He was always a guy who could. Um, who who could get the ball on the last drive and manufacture one and take you for the win. And on Monday night, I mean, we saw the Raiders go for a long kick that would give them a two-possession lead, but if they missed it, they give, them, they give the Saints a really short field and pretty much a guaranteed tie. But they, they went for the field goal anyway. You can argue whether that was faith in the kicker or what I think is it was more so that they had... They had faith in the kicker, obviously, but I think it was more so that they didn't fear Drew Brees because of the way he was playing in that game. Especially, I mean, you, obviously we mentioned the absence of Michael Thomas, and we've, I mean, people, pundits across the league for several years now have, have had issue with how much their passing offense relies on Michael Thomas, and they really don't have many weapons alongside him. So obviously that can play a factor as well, but... They just the Raiders did not fear Drew Brees, and I think the Packers can capitalize on that, especially if Michael Thomas doesn't play again this week, because Drew Brees doesn't seem to have a lot of faith in his other options outside of Kamara. So the Packers can should be able anyway to to focus on trying to remove his impact as much as possible and force Drew Brees to throw to other guys. Obviously, this whole point is moot if Michael Thomas plays, and it becomes a it becomes he becomes a big yeah. issue. Agree. Oh, I agree. Um, oh, a lot with I think with Breeze too. That that offensive line is pretty good. They got two stud mm-hmm. tackles out there, so we have to somehow. Kenny Clark is a focal point to this game, in my opinion. I mean, I don't want to put everything. If he doesn't play, we're, we're in trouble. But if he does play, we're okay. But 
we, if we can generate some pressure up the middle with him and push, push the pocket some that that's huge too, to slowing down Drew Brees in that offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that point, Jesse, because I mean, again, if, as Sam put out, if, if Michael Thomas and Adams absences, they kind of cancel each other out, but the way that saints defensive line has been playing, um, the, the Raiders have a good offensive line and, and Carr definitely did have to kind of move around the pocket a lot to, to make plays. I was, I actually was pretty impressed with Carr in that ability because normally his play outside of structure, if the first read's not there, has usually been pretty poor. So good on Carr. Uh, maybe he's, maybe he actually is worth it. <laughs> um, I, again, a few months ago, I thought Mariota was taken over by week eight. So clearly wrong there. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, Kenny, I think Kenny Clark, a massive X factor in this game. Because I think from what the injury report was saying, the only two players to miss practice today for the Packers were Devontae Adams and Kenny Clark. You know, those are the two you really want to play. But it also might be their importance being stated that, okay, we're going to let them rest. They, they don't need to be practicing. So, I mean, I, like, I could see a situation where Adams doesn't practice at all. And if he's good to go Sunday, he'll play. Maybe the same thing with Clark. So, um, maybe. I think the one thing with Adams, though, that was, I think, a concern without the injury, he's not playing a rookie corner for once, <laughs> for once this season. Marshawn Lattimore is a really good corner. I thought that would be a, I thought this was going to be a game where Rodgers was going to have to look elsewhere anyway. Not, you know, Adams will still probably get targets. I could see it maybe being, reminds me almost, obviously, different teams, caliber offense, but like with the Broncos last year, Chris Harris really did a great job on Adams, and he only ended up with four targets in that game. Wasn't necessarily expecting that low, but I figured Adams might only see five, six targets, and it might be someone else leading the team in targets. Maybe Aaron Jones again. Who knows? Well, the one thing the Raiders did, which we don't have a Darren Waller on our team, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but they they exploited them with the bigger guys. Like, you know, they targeted their tight ends, tried to use the middle of the field and stuff like that. Um, I Well, Tunyon had a touchdown last week. Uh, Sternberger had an awful game. Couldn't catch the ball. But, uh maybe something like that where we can use some size advantages and look for mismatches that way and just kind of follow what the Raiders were doing. And I think Aaron Jones is th- that matchup of throwing the ball to him well, and Williams too, you know, getting the ball out to them in space and exploiting them that way. Yeah. That's an additional, like you mentioned, Raiders had success throwing to the tight ends, but they don't, they don't use their running backs very much in the passing game. At least they don't use Josh Jacobs, who's without a doubt their best running back, the Raiders. Um, so obviously the Packers have a one-up on them there that maybe rather than, because obviously we're not very good at the tight end position, especially not very consistent. So if they can find a way to, I mean, like they did against the Lions, they had a lot of success with the, with the running backs in the receiving game, in the passing game. They have to be able to replicate that, especially if Adams is out. Even if he's, even if he plays, even if he were one hundred percent, to beat the Saints, Jones and Williams have to be big players in in the passing game, just because the the Saints secondary is above average to great against wide receivers, just because of the way they can match up with Marshawn Lattimore on your number one guy. Um, so the running backs have to be able to exploit that middle. Either running backs or tight ends. The Raiders had the tight ends. We don't. So we have to be able to use running backs in the middle of the field um, and create mismatch with mismatches with them. And I mean, I would also argue, you look on the other side, you got Janoris Jenkins. So uh, I was uh, trying to figure out, I, I did, you know, doing the fantasy pod just before this, uh, I, you know, speculate. I was talking about both of them, Alan Lazard and, and uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Really, 
Yeah, I have Lazard ranked higher than Valis Scantling this week. Sorry, it's not a family show, but it's this relevant to this point because they're both Packers. Uh, but it's it's truthfully, it's tough to know who Lattimore is going to cover if Adams out. Like, like my thinking is Valdez Scantling as that deep threat. They may want Lattimore to to cancel that out, which puts Lazard on Jenkins. I do like that better. Uh, still not great though. And so yeah, I think to be honest, Jones proved it last week. He could get it done against DBs. Like. Uh, I can't remember his name, but Roberts, the slot corner for the Lions. I mean, Jones just posterized him. Um, I, I think that was the play of the game, personally, because it tilted field position. They didn't score off that drive, but it was the next drive was the pick six by Channon Sullivan. So that catch ch- totally changed the outlook of that game. Because if, if, like, if they don't convert there, Packers are punting from, what, their own 20, their own 15? And suddenly the Lions, in what at that point was a two-score game, have a chance to make it a one-score game. Instead, the, the pick six basically put that game out of reach. So uh, I know I gave my player of the game last week to Jones. Um, if not for that catch, I might have given it to Bakhtiari on the offensive line. because, I, And I do think that's the one thing we kind of have faith going into this game is this offensive line has played so well, and they haven't really been fully healthy or, or like fully consistent you know, from game to game, uh, so much change over it. It seems like no matter who's in it, I mean, as long as Jenkins and Bakhtiari are in, uh, it's been pretty solid. Um, I don't know. It seems like Turner's going to, he played, he played last week, didn't actually play a snap, but he was active. Um, is there a chance that he gets on the field this week? I mean, I don't think any of us want him starting, but is, is, is that going to happen? A lot of credit to Wagner too. He's been playing really well. And Lindsley uh, has graded out by PFF as the number one center so far through two weeks. So, I mean, any combination that's going, and Patrick's played three positions already. So, I mean, whatever way they're, you know, mixing them in and stuff, we have been pretty successful. But I will say also the Saints interior defense, you know, is way better than anything we played against too. So mm-hmm. they're going to be a little more task this week, you know, instead of what we looked at the last two weeks. So I do like our, I, I do think it's an advantage us, but I don't think it's going to be as easy pickings as we had the last two weeks, but Hey, who knows? We'll see what happens. I will say, I did like what the Lions are doing with Trey flowers, moving him to the inside. And even when that happened, the, you know, Patrick and J- Jenkins and, and Lindsay kind of handled them well from the inside. And Bakhtiari, obviously, you know, we saw last year, Bakhtiari kind of struggled a little bit against flowers, still seem to get the, be- you know, Packers favor in most of instances but really there was just the one holding call that Bakhtiari took where Flowers got through and he took it because oh he's getting a free shot at the quarterback let's let's get a hold here and, and let's not take a sack um which is that that was a smart play and that was that was the only time he got any pressure uh, on Bakhtiari I think there was the one time he went inside I think he got he 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 beat Patrick I remember that on a run play but Jamal Williams made him miss in a, in a phone booth it was it was actually awesome to, to watch that so the one time he got pressure Williams just ran right through that gap and, and got a big run I think that I think he ran for first down there or at least it was a big gain uh so uh yeah I think uh they I, I was more concerned about the Lions pass rush than I was about the Vikings pass rush. So I was impressed that they handled it, but you, you're right, Jesse, the, the saints is a, a quite a formidable group. Yeah. And Cam Jordan, I mean, I, I think he's, he's better than Trey flowers in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So they have an elite pass rusher too. So it's, it's going to be a battle in the trenches. Well, actually on both sides of when we get, you know, looking the other way around too, but uh, yeah, it like everything you said too, with the lions, like we took advantage of the mistakes somehow, some way we turned it into positives. So uh, if they get over aggressive or something like that, I think we can pick them apart thrown to the running backs also. So it's going to be a chess match within the game, you know, and seeing, I think early on how we match up or how the, 
who's winning the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, I concur with those points. I think I think it certainly will help the Packers' offensive line um, that they've almost had a progressive difficulty with the injuries that the Vikings sustained in the opt-outs uh, of Michael Pierce specifically. We had a they had a pretty easy go of it overall, even with Ngankwe there in Week One. He didn't play a ton. A lot of young guys just across the board on that defense. Uh, they didn't have a, a a super difficult test. Then, like you said, with Trey Flowers, it kind of stepped up a notch. They had a really they had like an, an obvious number one guy who's really solid and can move around. Um, and then they get the the first real major test this week. Um, with with the Saints, who have a star guy in Cameron Jordan. He can beat you pretty much anywhere in any way. And they're just super deep across the board with pass rushers like Marcus Davenport and Trey Hendrickson off the edge, and then just stout guys in the middle, uh, David Anyamata, Sheldon Rankins, Malcolm Brown. Like, just across the board on that defensive front, there's not really a weak point, and they have some, and they have Cam Jordan, who they can move around similar to what they did with Trey Flowers, and you're not going to be able to to double team him as much because there are guys who can beat you and they'll be running stunts and, and it's going to be easily the most difficult task for the Packers and the biggest we'll know for sure if the loss of Lane Taylor in week one will be an issue against playoff caliber teams playoff caliber defensive lines this week I think these first two weeks were great for warm-up great for getting the field trying to to work with the next man up after Lane Taylor went down. Um, but this, I think, is the first real test, the first even close to playoff caliber defensive front that that offensive line will see. I think Sam Stallin, our division rivals, kind of like a lot of glorified preseason games right there, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to comment on that. I mean, our, the Vikings are almost the perfect warm-up uh, practice environment for any offense because you just get to run so many plays on them. I mean, what do they run? They run they single-digit plays in – in the half against the Colts last week. So uh, if you want to get offensive reps, play the Vikings, apparently. Hey, it doesn't bother me one bit. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. So one aspect I wanted to move to is how the Packers are going to approach coverage. I think we've already kind of referenced how the Saints will do it. But um, I kind of actually, you know, if Thomas is out, I actually really like this setup for the Packers. So last year what we saw, specifically from a tight end, I think that's good to focus on early because seemingly with, you know, Thomas is out again. Jared Cook's, I would think, expected to play a big role. Didn't You know, he kind of disappointed against the Raiders. Um, but I, I still see him being a priority for the Saints. Last year, what we saw with the Packers covering tight ends, it was always a safety. Usually Amos, sometimes Savage, sometimes Will Redman. Um, sorry, Will Redman. I really should stop criticizing him. But I think what we what I noticed against you know T.J. Hawkinson, for instance, it was a lot of Kirksey actually. And I think was the was the last year. I thought maybe that was a design. Okay, they they like Amos' speed against tight ends, and he's physical enough to take them down. But it seems like maybe that was just they 
Blake Martinez, they felt was so limited that they had no choice but to turn to the safeties for that. Now that Kirksey's there and it's Petten's ideal linebacker, that's maybe how they want to approach tight ends more. So um, do you, what, what do you guys see coming in as who's going to be the one that's going to be on Cook more often than not? Is it Kirksey or do they go back to the safeties? I feel like since Kirksey had, like Hawkinson wasn't burning him. So I suppose they'll probably stick with what mostly worked <laughs> and have, and, and obviously Petten likes Kirksey. So he performed well enough. Like we weren't getting toasted. Um, and we struggled with tight ends last year, regardless of who was on him or who were co- who was covering. Obviously there's a lot more to cover than just man to man. But if it comes down to that, um, I, the primary cover I'd say will, will probably be Kirksey on cook this week. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, Hawkinson, I think is, yeah, nothing against cook. He's been doing it for a long time, but Hawkinson, I think is more physically gifted at this point. And he had a few plays, but uh, Kirksey hung with them. So I think that will be more of the option. And especially without Michael Thomas, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders hasn't really done nothing, but he's kind of still your deep threat. And then where do you go next with, uh, I'm trying to think of the other receiver that had a decent game last week. Traquan uh, Smith. Yeah. Traquan Smith. <clears throat> I, I think we can match up pretty well with either King or, um, well, I think King would take him. I think that's the matchup size. They're pretty, pretty much the same size right there. And basically, uh, yeah, I, 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 like you said, without Thomas, I really like our secondary versus their weapons. But it all comes down to what they do with Kamara, too. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and he, I mean, I don't. Do you try to spy him with somebody and just keep somebody moving around with him all day long? I mean, even Alexander in that role, maybe if they, you know, split him out or something. I don't know. That mm. that's that's where you know if you can let him float with him so at times. Well, now I wonder if it's, so. Sam, uh, anyone should go check out Sam's article on the the pa- uh, the Packers victory of the recap of, against the Lions but you definitely outlined Chandon Sullivan in that article. I wonder if that's maybe their answer to cover Alvin Kamara who I, I was a little concerned at first that you know Amendola got a couple catches in the slot but then as that game went on Sullivan really found his own in in, in coverage and was able to obviously get the pick six <laughs> being such a great moment. Yeah, Sullivan I mean obviously they really like him being content with him as the slot guy going into the year. Um, but he he was good in that role last year and has only gotten better this year. Um, I mean, obviously Kamara's a different beast. He's he's nobody's really been able to shut him down in the receiving game ever since he entered the league, no matter what people have tried, and they've had plenty of time to try and figure something out. So, I mean, it obviously you don't want to just give him whatever he'll take, but you have to be prepared for him to burn you for some twenty plus plays and. A screenplay for a touchdown, that's just, it's almost inevitable if Kamara is healthy, just because of the way Peyton uses him and how gifted he is. Um, So you have to be ready for that and be willing to, not to give up on whatever game plan you came into the game with, if something like that happens early, make slight adjustments, I'd say. But Kamara is going to find a way, regardless of who's on him, regardless of what the game plan, defensive game plan is how good you may think it is, he's going to find a way to do something that makes you question it. I think I think it's... Obviously make adjustments if he's like totally torching you one way or the other, but especially as a receiver, you're going to have a tough time stopping him just because of the mismatches he's able to create. Yeah, I, a few points there that I agree 100% with. Um, 
Well, I, I will say, I think uh, the defense has adjusted really well in games so far this year where they kind of started slow or kind of played off a little bit and they adjusted well. Yeah, another one with the Saints, I think they're going to get, they're going to score and rack up yardage. I mean, I think we all know that. We need to take advantage when we can create mistakes and take advantage mm-hmm. of it and take it. That's where you have to win the game. You can't get frustrated. Like Sam was saying, you know, Kamara's going to bust a 20-yard play here and there. It's going to happen. The, the guy's just super, super athletic and talented. But when we can force a turnover or we can take advantage of something and, you know, make that play, that's going to be the big differences right there. Yeah, I fully agree with that. That's, I mean, it's, it sounds super fundamental, obviously win the turnover game, blah, 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 blah. But it's, I mean, against playoff teams, that's often what it comes down to. If you have teams that are even fairly evenly matched, which I would say the Packers and Saints are, especially at this point, um, they're, they're very comparable just overall in terms of team construction, honestly. Um, you've got obvious wide receiver one guys and Thomas and Adams, and often the 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 receiving and passing game go through those guys. You've got s- solid tight end production, but not necessarily something you can count on super often. You've got Jones and Kamara, arguably top five running backs, both in their own right, and very similar play styles in the way that they can kill you both on the ground super efficiently and in the receiving game. They can create mismatches and create big chunk plays. Um, and they have really good offensive lines and stout defensive lines and playmakers like clear cornerback ones and good safety play and somewhat iffy linebacking core. So it's like they're very, very similar in teams construction, at least from my point of view. So it's, I mean, it, it's kind of like game planning against yourself and and trying to find a blueprint that <laughs> that would stop you. So it, it's... It's just really, it's going to be really interesting to try and see that chess match that Lafleur and Peyton and obviously the rest of the coaching staffs play with one another, knowing that that the teams are so similar and you can almost take whatever worked against your opponent and apply it, and that your yeah. opponent can take whatever worked against you and whatever worked against them and apply it to you almost. Hundred percent. Yeah, if we can generate pressure with four. And constantly get in, you know, <clears throat> that pick six was all Gary getting pressure off the edge there. You know, if we can do that, get pressure with four, I that's how you beat the Packers. That's how you beat the Saints. So I think it, it can be done. That reminds me, I mentioned him in the recap article, but I want to bring some more attention to it. And Gary has been really, really, really good so far this year, especially yes. compared to what he was the last couple of years. He's taken a huge step up. Um, first week one against the Vikings, he generated some pressure and that turned into the interception right before halftime, which we turned into seven points. Uh, last week he was, he was the one that generated the pressure on the pick six. He's, and he had one and a half sacks in that game. In addition to that, he's been really, he's been a, a really important player in terms of generating positive plays for the defense generating like being a playmaker for the defense and that's going to be essential um to continue like the packers defense even going way way back to when capers first came in and it stayed pretty much the same way with Petten. it's not a defense constructed it's, it's not a defensive philosophy to shut teams out limit yardage entirely like just be a lockdown defense it's built to be a playmaking defense that stands up in the red zone and holds teams to field goals instead of touchdowns 
win the turnover battle by getting two or three turnovers a game or one or two more realistically and get some sacks that stop drives. That's what the team, that's what the defense is built to do. And if they can do that more often than not, the Packers will win games, especially if the offense continues operating on even close to the level of efficiency that they have been the first two weeks. A lot of great points there, Sam. Just the idea of, you know, self-scouting is going to be so important this week. And we'll see how good the Packers are at doing that. Because as you mentioned, if, if both teams are so similar, then figure out what will beat you. Exploit that against the Saints. And then also long-term through the season, figure out how to how to stop that exact same thing. So this might actually be, even if the Packers lose this game, they could still probably learn a lot from it that might make a real huge difference for them come playoff time. Because, um, you know, as Sam mentioned, these teams are almost identical, really, just because I, I feel like ripping on Breeze some more, but I think quarterbacks probably the bit. It's probably the biggest difference in between these rosters, is it not? Is there a position group that really we could really say there's a massive difference? I think it's quarterback. I, I think it's quarterback, and I think we have more pass rush options than they do. But yeah, I think the quarterback really is the X factor. Well, I like Sam was. I think Gary might be the X factor because they're going to focus on Z. Preston does his thing, and I mean, Gary showed. I mean he's been doing game changing plays for two weeks and that, that this is the, you know, big spotlight game. It's time to show them off. So I think that's the two quarterback and our three headed monster. Well, four headed if Kenny's back. Yeah. It does seem like Gary, the, you know, last year was okay here and there more to rest the, either the Smiths more than anything, but now they're playing them all together. It's, you know, an emphasis this year to really get Gary in that lineup and have him make a difference. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Really loving what Gutekunst has done with the draft these last two years. I know we can criticize all you want for not drafting receivers, but I mean, maybe maybe Jay Sternberger is the worst pick now over the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I mean, our well, even the receivers hats. I mean, MVS, he take away a few bad drops, but he made some big time catches and big time moments last week also. So maybe there's turning the corner there and Lazard. I mean... Our two and three is getting, you know, well, actually they could be three and four with what we do out of the backfield, but mm-hmm. we're, we're getting plenty of production out of them. So it it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be efficient. And I think it's becoming, I mean, knock on wood, a nice finely tuned machine, how everybody's getting involved. And that goes back to quarterback play and Rogers trusted everybody too. So, yeah. Yeah. I mentioned that in both the game recaps that I wrote up in over week one and week two, but it's so nice to see Rodgers going back to guys like MVS who had a couple huge drops in week one. And then Rodgers went right back to him on the following drive or right back to him on the next throw. Like I remember he dropped the third down pass that ended a drive in one of the, on one of the drives in week one and the very next drive he went back to him and on the drop he had, that would have been a touchdown. Rodgers went right back to him. I think it was the next play and it was another huge gain. And the same kind of thing happened this week. If MVS had a not so great or a kind of a bad drop, he Rogers was willing to go right back to him. Lafleur was willing to keep him on the field. That's something that historically we haven't really seen. Um, and even last year, 
there was a there seemed to be a lot of trust issues um, with Rodgers and the younger guys, which I think certainly contributed to both their confidence, uh, the young guys' confidence, and the offense's ability to remain efficient. Like the chemistry probably wasn't really there, um, and it's kind it's kind of weird to to have that change in a year where the offseason was abridged extremely where there was no preseason. Um, but somehow they're just clicking way better. Uh, I, I'm not sure if there's any way to really explain it, but I know that I'll take it. I guess I could theorize that it's, it's year two of the offense. Everyone understands the offense better, including Rogers. And I think they're just taking advantage of that. To be honest, I, I, I it seems like it's a pretty complicated offense that LaFleur runs. So uh, naturally, I think year two would be better for for the offense in general. I agree. Um, yeah, maybe all, all, all of the above, you know, everything's, you know, the trust and the new you know system getting a little bit, you know, more acquainted with it. So yeah, it's, it's actually a really, if they could keep taking steps each week, it, you know, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you know, it's, it's a pretty nice, pretty special offense. that was what's rounding up to be. Yeah. I mean, like you alluded to um, last year, I know, I know I'm not alone in thinking this, but they were not a 13 and three team. They were not that quality of a team. They got exposed by the 49ers in the NFC championship game. They got, I mean, they got dumpstered in that game. It wasn't even close. They did not look like a team of that quality. They won a ton of super close games and that, that historically and statistically is not sustainable for the next season. So the Packers were just like, well, you know what? Maybe we just win every game by double digits. I mean, I'm not going to complain. Well, yeah, and I mean, no problem with that. if they're putting up 40 points every week, that's, that's, that's always a good sign. Yeah. I like to be up by like, you know, 20 or 30 at halftime and I can enjoy the second half. So <laughs> I'm a, I have a flair for the dramatic. So these close games, they, they, they're fun. They're fun at the end when they win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, what, you know, there's a few things we, we kind of know will happen in this game, but again, we've mentioned, you know, they, I mean, the, the Packers allowed 34 points to the Vikings. You got to think to win this, they're probably going to have to put up 40 again. Um, and so expect a lot of points on this Sunday night game. Uh, maybe what, one thing that's certain as uh, I can't remember which one of you referred to this, maybe probably both of you to actually Alvin Kamara is going to catch passes and he's going to make big plays. Uh, not 81 in this game, but he's probably going to catch 81 passes over the course of the season. He's done that every year. Strangely, exactly 81 as the, one of my favorite stats in football. It's, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, the other thing that's certain if Jair Alexander is covering Emmanuel Sanders, he is getting shut out. Three games last year, and I knew. And before I looked at the game log, I knew Sanders hadn't done well. I was actually surprised it was this bad. In three games against the Packers, three catches for 25 yards. So we know Alexander can shut down Sanders. I think my biggest concern might be Traquan Smith versus Kevin King, actually, just because... We've seen King can get beat deep. It hasn't yet this year, really. I haven't. I don't think I've seen him get burned on a, on a big deep touchdown. So maybe contract year King got better with the deep routes. Uh, this is. I mean, I. I it, honestly, like it's. You're probably a better receiver set up to be a deep threat, but I would argue that Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford at this point are better deep ball throwers than Breeze. So maybe the, maybe the, the quarterback's not there to exploit it. So maybe you're right, Jesse. Maybe the, maybe the physical nature of of King can get on. on Smith without having to worry about him too deep so it might be advantageous but I certainly think Alexander on Sanders is definitely favor of Alexander yeah that's a win yeah that's a win right there for sure so yeah and I mean Savage has been kind of quiet this year but I think it's quiet in a good way where they might be taking away some of that over the top stuff so 
you know, if he's not having a ton of tackles downfield, they're, they can roll him over and help out King if need be. But like you're saying, Alexander, I put him out on an island. Let him let him shut out Sanders again. Perfect. You brought this up. I think it was you, Jesse. Alexander on Kamara, like just just to get your most talented cover player on their most talented player, like just because we saw Sanders last week against a very exploitable Raiders secondary, not do anything really. I mean, he barely is barely visible. Uh, so. Maybe are they? You know, if, if you're thinking maybe Sanders really doesn't have it, maybe you'd, why waste Alexander on him, right? So th- I could also see that happening. Yeah, I could see it too. I mean, yeah, if you if you don't trust to breeze his arm to go downfield and that's San- Sanders' game, especially at this point, yeah, why not? You know, take a few chances with somebody else on him. Could it? Could it even be just reverse it and say, okay, we'll put King on on Sanders, and we we think Traquan Smith's the bigger threat. I'll actually put Alexander on that side. That yeah, that could that's an option too. You know. Kind of like what Bilicek always does, you know, don't let their best player beat you, you know, so we mm-hmm. got to trust our corners and Camara expect if Thomas isn't there, Camara is their best player by a mile, you know, so if we, he's going to still get his plays, but if we can kind of limit him and well, look at what he did against the Raiders. He had a great game, but in the final, you know, in the final scheme of things, it wasn't enough. So, you know, let him, let him pad, pad those fantasies, you know, points, but not get in the end zone. Perfect. Basically, you need the defense to to fulfill its intended philosophy and against a team like the Saints almost perfectly. Bend but don't break. When they get to the red zone, which they inevitably will, don't give up touchdowns, hold them to field goals, and expect and lean on the offense to continue operating efficiently and put up the points that make it so you're not losing a game 9-6. to six. Yeah, and the way the way we're running the ball, I mean, we're the just running over everybody with all our backs, really. You know, so not necessarily you know try to slow the game down with the run game, but kind of wear them out with the run game too. So, at, I really think we have an advantage with the offense. You know, just how we can move the ball around and use it different ways this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm just I actually have nothing else to say. So, uh, any final thoughts? I would like to remind everyone that we haven't mentioned the biggest X factor in the game. Um, how are we going to stop Taysom Hill? <laughs> Christian Kirksey. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that might, that might, well, you know what? Maybe, you know, that might be a, a role for Adrian Amos, you know, because I do think I thought last year, whenever he was tasked with covering tight ends, I thought he did a fairly good job with it. So maybe a guy like Hill's size, maybe Adrian Amos is that sort of X factor spy that, He's always going to follow Kamara around. He's always going to follow Hill. And, and I could see I could see them doing some really interesting things with Amos, especially if they they don't have to have him just shadowing Co- Jared Cook. If they feel like they can rely on Kirksey there, Amos might be that roaming around the field or or, or Savage or both and, and kind of mix up who gets to be that role just to confuse. I know because I know that was the whole philosophy of drafting Savage, trading up to get him is that, that ability to have him play in the box or as the free safety or really fulfill a bunch of roles. So um, those two safeties, they, it, like like you mentioned, Jesse, they've been quiet this year because we haven't really needed them. Uh, but this this might be a game where they actually both come out to play and uh, make some solid contributions. Yeah, I, I thought Sam was going to go with, you know, the, the crowd noise and the home field advantage for the Saints, but I guess that's not in play. So, yeah, we'll go with Hill. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, our, <laughs> our safeties, you know, we're, they're quiet, but I think we can trust them, you know, Amos you – know, you also got to think he's not going to be in the game a ton. So when he comes on, if yeah. if 
we use a safety as a spy or something like that, I think we can at least neutralize him. I mean, everybody talks how he's this the greatest player that ever played. He should be out there every time. But, I mean, Williams actually had more yardage than he did last year for us. So, I don't know. I, I don't buy that hype as much as the whole world does. Yeah, I mean, I'm with that. As much as I joke when I bring him up, yeah, it's you just don't want to get – yeah. most of the time when he's out there, it's a gimmick play. And the yep. last thing you want to beat you is one of those Taysom Hill gimmick plays. So it's something that the Saints always have in their back pocket that the Packers defense has to have at the back of their mind. Because you have, I mean, as much as we joke about it, as much of a meme as it's become, you can't, you can't just toss it aside and act like he won't get out there and they won't give him a shot to make a couple deep throws or just some, some crazy play that you didn't expect you Whenever he's on the field, you have to know where he is. Um, just it, it's something you have to have in the back of their mind, in the back of your mind as a defense. I don't anticipate that he'll make some game-breaking play that decides the outcome of the game, um, but it is something that will have to that the Packers defense will have to keep in the back of their mind. Um, and that's, I suppose, that's a, another major difference between the two teams. Like I like I mentioned before, they're super similar. The Packers don't have that gimmick guy. I don't think that matters in the big scheme of things, um, but it does make it's slightly more difficult um, for the defense, for the Packers defense, and whoever's matching up against the Saints because you never know for sure when they're going to pull one out. Word for word, what I'm going to do in my article tomorrow with that. <laughs> Luckily, this is being recorded. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so maybe a little surprised that the Packers are actually the underdogs here. Just again, thinking lack of fans. I didn't know how much Vegas was going to put in on, on home field advantage. I mean, saints by three, generally it's three points for the home team. They, they always give them, a, you know, so it's kind of saying right now, Vegas is saying it's basically a pick em if it were neutral. Um, but again, I, I don't, I don't put much weight into home field as this year, at least as much as in years past. So uh, be funny if the Packers, not to get ahead of myself, but if they go 3-0, and have the high, the most points scored in the league, and yet we're underdogs in two of those three games, I, I would find that hilarious. Because I, I think, you know, week one betting lines came out I, from a mile away. It didn't matter that they were traveling to Minnesota. Packers underdogs in that game was ridiculous to me, even if it was only by two. Especially with the Saints coming off a of poor performance, I, I figured it would be a pick or maybe a one-point favor for the Saints, but I, I still think the Packers should be favored in this game. Yeah, that's the most surprising part for me after after a dud of an offensive game the Saints put up on Monday night. I mean, you compare the two week two performances for the teams, the Packers are very obviously the team with more momentum coming in, and there's similar injury issues. I mean, so you can't point to that as the reason, and obviously home field advantage is basically negligible because of, well, for obvious reasons. <laughs> So I don't, I mean, I, I'm, I really can't think of a reason, obviously, like you said, I might be biased in this area, but I really can't see a reason that the Packers would be underdogs this, this week. Yeah. Let them be underdogs all year long. It doesn't matter to them. So yeah. Hey, um, yeah, true. I'm fine with that. But Thanks, I agree with both of you guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree hundred percent with both of you guys. I was surprised. And I mean, Rodgers has been, it's uh, okay, it's a dome, it's indoors, Breeze play well. Well, Rodgers, look what he just did in the last two weeks in domes. <laughs> so, and I, not that that affects him, because we know he plays well outside too. So, yeah. Uh, go Pack Go! And uh, looking forward to the Sunday night game. Uh, Packers get their first taste of prime time this season. So, uh, 
um, you know, the recap will be, the reaction episode will be a little later uh, this weekend than it was the last couple weekends, but uh, still, appreciate you all listening. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at FPC underscore, sorry, at FPC underscore Packers. Um, Sam, you can follow him at S underscore Toma, T-H-O-M-A, so S underscore Toma 97. Jesse's at Hall underscore J Hall 1212. Kenny Clark, Aaron Rodgers, love the rep- number representation there, guys. Sender uh, says no number, even though I love numbers, but that's, that's where you can follow me. And, uh, of course, download the full press coverage app, uh, available for free on Apple Android stores. Uh, get access to all of our great written content, like Sam's article, Jesse's upcoming article in the next uh, day or so. Uh, and, of course, access to the all our podcasts and the full press radio network. Sam, Jesse, any final thoughts for our listeners? Well, go back, go. Yeah, get hype. Should be a good game. Absolutely, and hopefully this was a good episode of the Full Press Packers Pod. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.